Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, we're going to read from Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31. It says, But those who wait on the Lord, those who wait, somebody say, wait, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. I mean, it sounds so exciting, doesn't it? It sounds so uplifting. I mean, you read this verse and you're like, wow, this is awesome. You're excited. It sounds amazing. But he, uh, who here knows that waiting is not really exciting? Come on, let's be honest. Is waiting exciting? Not really. It's not that exciting. You know, what about waiting in the line, in the shopping center, in the shops in Coles for your groceries? I mean, come on, people, back me up. It's not exciting, isn't it? It's just not exciting. What about waiting in traffic? Everyone's like, what are you talking about? We don't even have traffic in Tamworth. <laughs> you guys are the blessed people. And what about waiting in a restaurant when you're so hungry and you've ordered your meal and all of your family and friends, they are getting their meals, they're nearly finished and you're still waiting for your steak and chips to come and you're starving, you're hangry. Come on, waiting is not exciting. In fact, waiting often feels like wasting, wasting our time, wasting our energy, isn't it? Wasting our life. It feels a bit like wasting our life. But you know here, prophet Isaiah, he's not just talking about human waiting, but he's talking about waiting on God to act. Waiting on God to act. In other words, what waiting does, it requires faith. Does anybody here have faith? It requires faith. It requires that we believe in the impossible, in the unseen. We believe that God is going to do something significant in our life. That even when we go through trials, challenges, difficulties, that God will still show up and He will get us through it. Come on, somebody. Waiting on the Lord. It's worth the wait. Anybody agrees here? Waiting on the Lord. It is worth the wait. There you go. This is the title of my message. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's worth the wait. If you're sitting next to a single guy or a girl, maybe it is worth the wait. It's prophetic worth. Worth this morning. <laughs> Not time to exchange your numbers. We can if you would like. Awesome. It is worth the wait. But um, I wonder, I wonder what... Is it right now that you're waiting upon the Lord? I wonder, what is it that you're waiting for in your life? That you are believing God for in your life? Now I wonder, if it, is it a job? Or is it to do with something with your business or with your family? Or are you waiting for your health to improve? Are you waiting for a husband? Come on, somebody. But I wonder, what is it in your life that you're waiting for? And this morning, I want us to unfold the story of an amazing man in the Bible that a lot of us are familiar with. We're going to read uh, from the book of Genesis, and we're going to just look at the story of Noah. Does anyone know about Noah in the Bible? 
knowing the animals in the boat. Yeah, just giving you a bit of hints. But we're going to read. And you see, no, the Bible says he was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He walked faithfully with the Lord. See, Noah was the 10th generation descendant of Adam. It's pretty incredible. But the Bible says that back then, in those days, in Noah's days, humanity was very messed up. I mean, and speaking about very messed up, we're going to unfold a little bit the story, which is quite crazy, I believe. And we're going to read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, and it says, When human beings began to increase in number of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, I'm going to repeat the sons of God, you know, the Greek version of the Bible, the original Greek version of the Bible uses actually uh, a word that is angelos, which means fallen angels. How crazy is this? So here the Bible says, the fallen angels, the son of God, saw that the daughters of human, which are the human women, they were beautiful. And then it gets, gets crazier. And it says that they married them. I mean, the daughters married fallen angels, you know, men. And you may think, well, my husband is kind of like one of them too. Can I say it's theologically not correct? Nowadays, we don't have that. But back in the day, you know, the fallen angels married the daughters of human. And then it gets worse because in verse 4, it says that they actually also gave birth to the Nephilim. You see, the Nephilim, they were giants. So here we have, isn't that crazy? How crazy is the Bible? We have the fallen angels marrying the daughters and they producing these giants, which is mind-blowing. But it gets even worse because it says in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah, it says, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, not Ham. Um, and then in verse 13, it says that God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. So make yourself a boat. Make room in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And then God gives description of how the boat needs to be made, how wide, how big, how tall. And... Then he says to him, I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And it says in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him to do. I mean, what a crazy story. Isn't it? It's an absolutely messed up story. But I love that the Bible says that Noah, he was righteous. He was blameless. He knew how to walk faithfully with God. He knew how to wait upon the Lord. Why? Because when God told Noah to build that boat, 
Did you know that theologians believed that it took him around 100 years to build that boat? I mean, isn't that crazy? 100 years back in Bible times. People used to live longer than nowadays. And here we have Noah, who took him 100 years to build a boat. I mean, he was quite patient. Not only that, but also the Bible says that when the flood came, when the flood came, it actually lasted for over one year. I mean, can you imagine that? He was in a boat, locked in a boat. He's been building for 100 years, and that was not enough. Then he had to get in a boat with his family, with his sons, the Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and the daughters-in-law. I mean, what does that remind you of? Come on, lockdown. Even worse, because they couldn't go out and have a bit of an exercise time, you know, active way time. They were fully in a lockdown, in a boat, you know, with a whole family. Not only that, it gets worse, but with animals. Imagine being in a lockdown. I know there's so many farmers in this house today. I am, I honor you and respect you so much. Don't know how you do it, but they were in a boat. He was in a boat with his whole family and animals. So we're not talking about cute animals like bunny rabbits and, you know, oodles, cavoodles and chihuahuas and poodles. No. The Bible says that it was every single living creature found in a boat times two. How crazy is this story? You know, there were spiders. There were bugs. There were every single type of snake. Come on. There were dingoes. It was scary. And you can imagine the noise. Imagine the smell. Imagine everything being locked with an animals for a whole year. You know, if I was Mrs. Noah, I probably would have jumped overboard straight away. Praise the Lord that I was not entrusted to save the humanity. Praise Jesus for Noah. But you see, Noah, he was patient. He did what God told him to do. He was patient during lockdown. He was patient during that building process. And if we want to wait on the Lord, the first thing we need to do is we need to realize that waiting on the Lord requires patience. You need to wait on the Lord patiently. How exciting! Three smiles in the house. Wait on the Lord patiently, like Noah did. You know, in verse 9, it says that Noah walked faithfully with the Lord. The Good News Bible translation says that he lived in fellowship with God. To walk with God is to live a life of obedience to Him and to be in agreement with Him. Noah was patient because he was obedient, because he knew how to walk with God. Come on. You see, patience is not an absence of action. Patience is not an absence of action. In fact, my dictionary says that patience is defined as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. It's not just waiting. It's how we act in the waiting. You know, patience is not about how long you can wait, but how you behave while you wait. I mean, let's be honest, reality check, patience is not easy. Do you agree with me? Patience is not easy. I mean, nobody's born patient. You know, I've never seen a patient baby. I've never seen a patient toddler or even teenager or a patient husband. You know, in fact, 
You know, I struggle with patience. My, my husband, he is worse. And even if you ask him, he will tell you one of the things he struggles is patience. I mean, you can jump in the car and you'll know what I'm talking about. He's not a patient driver, people. Especially when there is traffic. Something you don't know about. <laughs> I'm so jealous. You know, I remember when we um, first gave uh, birth um, to our first child, uh, when we were pregnant. Um, actually, we were not pregnant. I was pregnant. Isn't that funny English? We are pregnant. I'm like, no, you know, she's pregnant. Your wife is pregnant. Oh, we're expecting a baby. I'm like, no, you know, she is. You've got no idea what it is to expect a baby. <laughs> Come on. But I remember when we were, uh, when, when I was pregnant with our first child, this is confusing. Uh, our little girl who is huge now, she's 17, JMA, which I had her, by the way, when I was three, just to make it clear. You know, uh, we were on a mission. We were living in Sydney. We were on a mission to find a hospital. You see, back in Sydney, we had a choice. There were a lot of hospitals, and it was kind of a thing that you would go on a hospital tour. It's not like Newcastle. We only have one hospital in Tamworth. One, two. You guys better than us? One. And, you know, um, we went on this hospital tour to find the perfect hospital. And we went to one, and it was so busy. Car park was terrible. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, there were ambulances. And we're like, we don't want this hospital. Then we went to another one, same thing. And then finally, we drove 40 minutes from our house to a little town called Windsor. And we found this little tiny hospital that was just beautiful. No one was there. They only had two obstetricians. And we went inside, and we're like, oh, this sounds good. And they took us to the delivery room tour. They did those tours. And we went inside and there was a big spa in the delivery room. And we were like, oh, my goodness. Like our eyes were popping with excitement. And like, this is the hospital. I'm going to have the best birth. And we're like, we're going to have the most relaxed birth. It will be an incredible experience. Well, after giving birth to five kids, I just want to make it straight. There is no such thing as a relaxing birth or a best birth. But we were so excited. We couldn't wait, you know, to go and uh, have that amazing experience in the spa. And I remember, you know, a few months later, I um, got into labor and the contraction started. And you can imagine I completely regretted the 40 minutes drive to the hospital, which was the dumbest decision we did. I was screaming. I was shouting. I was saying things to Sanger. I regret it, no pastor should ever say. And, you know, when we went in the hospital, the two obstetricians, one of them went on holidays, and the other one went to have lunch. So there were not even doctors in the hospital. And I remember we straight away went into the delivery room, and, you know, I sat on the bed, and Senga, my husband, he started undressing. I'm like, what is he doing? And then, next minute, he's in his swimmers. I'm like, okay. And then he starts filling up the spa, people. Filling up the spa as if he's about to give birth. While filling up the spa, he gets so impatient that halfway through filling up the spa, he puts the jets on. And I'll tell you, this is a no-no. And all of a sudden, the spa started making this loud pitch noise, like the loudest noise, you know, and all of the midwives, they started storming up in our room, and then all this water started gushing out of nowhere, you know, and we're like, we couldn't even, the, the bottom broke, and it's like, we're all covered in water, the midwives were covered in water, they were shaking their heads, and I will tell you, the worst thing to do while giving birth is having a bad relationship with your midwives, 
It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And that day, we were banned from using the spa. The only thing we went in that hospital. Isn't that crazy? But because my husband, he was so impatient. He couldn't wait to use the spa. And often in life, we can be so impatient. We can be so, you know, um, impatient. And, and this could stop us from entering that promise. Stop us from entering that dream that once we had. And prematurely, we can completely abort that mission because of impatience. But waiting requires patience. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Romans 12, 12, it says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Proverbs 15, 18 says, hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. Romans 8, 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hebrews 6, 12, faith and patience. They inherit the promises of God. In other words, if you want to see God's promises in your life, you need to have faith and patience. You know, there is always going to be a process between um, a promise from God and the fulfillment of that promise. There will always be a process. But you know, that process, it's called waiting. Waiting. You know, Abraham and Sarah, they waited patiently on God before they had a child at 90 years old. Joseph, the Bible says, he waited patiently through many trials, betrayal, imprisonment, before his dreams were fulfilled. Then David waited nearly 50 years before he was anointed and became a king. And God waited thousands of years before he sent his only son to save the world. And Jesus waited 30 years before he started his public ministry. And if God did it, we can do it too. Wait patiently because it is worth the wait. Don't underestimate the power of waiting. And maybe some of you this morning, you feel like, well, Kelly, that's great. That's exciting. But I've waited too long. You know, I'm done waiting. I've waited so long that I'm tired of waiting. I cannot wait anymore. You know, and I've given up on my dreams. I've given up on those prophecies. I've given up on every single desire that I once had. You don't understand I'm here. And that's a great message. Maybe it works for some people, but it doesn't work for me. And you feel like you've quit, you've quit already. That you've retired already from that dream, from that promise. But can I encourage you? To not lose hope. Don't lose faith. Faith, You know, waiting patiently doesn't mean waiting perfectly. It doesn't mean waiting perfectly. Even Abraham and Sarah, the Bible says, they waited, but it wasn't perfect. You know, they messed it up at times. They took it in their own hands. But God still fulfilled their dream. They still hope. There's still hope. And some of you right now, you need to revive that dream. You need to speak to that dream again. Maybe revisit that dream. Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, wow. But I, can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Don't let him whisper lies in your ears. You know, the Bible says that God's timing is different to our timing. His ways are different to our ways. 
His delay doesn't mean his denial. Just because it hasn't happened yet, just because it hasn't come through yet, it doesn't mean that it won't happen. If he said it, he would do it. If he, pr he promised, the Bible says he is faithful. Wait on the Lord patiently. And the second thought is, wait on the Lord expectantly. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, the Hebrew word of the, uh, the word wait here is kava. Hopefully there's no Hebrew people here. But that word, literally, it means to look or wait with an eager expectation, with an anticipation. It's not about human waiting, but it's about waiting with an expectation on God to act. And waiting on God doesn't mean just to sit back, relax, and do nothing and just wait for something to happen, something to drop from heaven. You know, all of a sudden, we wait for the gates of heaven to open over us and pour out blessings and blessings over us. I mean, this is a false theology. Can I say it? It's not about sitting back and doing nothing. In fact, if you go back on the story of Noah, the Bible says that Noah, when God spoke to him, he commanded him to go and build a boat. He said to, me, to him in verse 14, go build yourself a sheep. I mean, isn't that crazy? God didn't just make a sheep miraculously fall, drop from the sky, from heaven. Ta-da, he is your rescue sheep, brings spanking you. Incredible. I mean, he could have done it. He did it for the Israelites. He dropped manna. But no, he said, you go, you go and build Build a ship, build a boat, which is crazy because Noah was not a builder, people. He was a farmer. He was not a builder. He was a farmer. And this was not an easy task. When he told him to build a boat, he told him to big, build a huge boat. I mean, this was a big boat. It was not like a little tiny thingy boat. It's like a big boat. In fact, a three-story, huge, massive boat so that that boat can contain every single living creature times two i mean how crazy is this and here god commands noah go go and build that boat go and make that boat and often this waiting time is a preparation time you know often a lot of christians they think i'm gonna wait on you do you know the song i'm gonna wait on you and do nothing but it is a preparation time. You know, often God wants us to go and get our hands dirty. Do something. Get productive. Get creative. Maybe you feel like I'm waiting, I'm depressed. In order for you to snap out of this depression, snap out of this unhappiness, maybe you need to go and make somebody happy and you will feel happy about yourself. Maybe you need to go and maybe cook a meal for your neighbor. Do something in your church. Start a connect group. Get involved. Do something with your hands. The Bible says whatever your hands find to do it. Do it. Not only that, but do it with all of your might. Come on, somebody. Do something with your hands. It's a preparation time. You know, not only that, but Noah didn't just build a boat. But Peter, he calls him a preacher of righteousness. He also preached. While he was building, he preached. He was multitasking. While he was building. While he was waiting. While he was building again, he preached. 
because he cared for people. He wasn't preoccupied with his own selfish ambitions and desires. He wasn't just thinking about his own dream. No, he cared for people. He preached, he built, he waited, he preached, he built, he waited. And some of you, while you're waiting, you need to get your hands dirty. Maybe you need to build something. Then maybe you need to share Jesus around your streets, around your neighborhood. Maybe talk to that neighbor that you haven't spoken for a while. Invite him to church. Do something for Jesus. While you wait, wait with an expectation. Wait for God to move in that waiting preparation season. You know, at the conference, I shared a little bit about of our story. Some of the amazing girls heard some of our story that um, we've got three kids at home, but we also, also have two kids in heaven. And, um, you know, our second-born child, his name uh, was Noah. He, um, he was born quite early, and he passed away at birth. And then our fourth-born son, little Zach Tiger, he was born again a bit early, and he lived for three months. He was in hospital. He was growing, growing incredible. And I remember I would go and visit Noah every single day, spend the whole day with him, look at his little body, develop, grow. And it was a beautiful bonding time. And I couldn't wait for the day Zach would come home with us. But after three months, he unexpectedly passed away which is quite heartbreaking, and it was not the first time that has happened to us. And you can imagine the disappointment. You can imagine the pain. Some of you have got children in heaven, and you can relate to me. You know, there's a saying that says that children are our future. The children are our future. But what happens when they're gone? You know, I felt at times like my whole future was gone, like my whole world has collapsed. You know, and I remember a year or two after his passing, you know, we, me and Sanger made the decision we're not going to have any more kids because every single medical report was against it. We were told that we only had another 5 to 10% to have a child that will make it. And my body was not able to have children at that point anymore. And they said, not only that, but um, your body's in danger. Your life was in danger too. So um, we made a decision not to have kids. But a year, a, bit, a year after all this happened, I had a dream. And in my dream, I dreamed about a little child. And in my dream, the little child said to, him, to me, said, Mommy, you can have me if you want me. And that little child was playing with my other two children. And I remember dreaming this dream and thinking, this dream is from the devil. I'm like, I rebuke this dream in the name of Jesus. I was so hurt. I was so broken. But then again, I had the same dream. Mommy, you can have me if you want me. And it started to really pray, play with my nerves. I was so angry at this dream. And I remember I went to sing and I said, can you believe? I'm dreaming this dream constantly. And I'm like, we need to pray and rebuke this dream. I was ready for him to anoint me with oil and just cast all the demons and devils out of me. But then he looked at me and he said, Katie, he said, and he started crying, and he said, this is not just any dream. This is the promise. And I was so broken. I was so hurt. And I had absolutely no desires or no vision to have any more kids. And I remember we decided to believe this dream. 
we decided to let God do what he needed to do. Wait on the Lord. And you know, a few months later, we fell pregnant. And I remember I went to my obstetrician, who actually is a perinatologist. Perinatologist is like the highest obstetrician that looks after all the most complicated cases, pregnancy cases. And she knew my story very well because she was there with the previous babies. And she knew everything that I had. And I went to her office and she said to me, Katie, she said, um, we're going to check the heartbeat. So she put the ultrasound and she's like, baby's heartbeat is great. Baby is developing very well. But then she looked at me and she said, don't get excited. And I'm like, okay. She's like, remove all expectations. She's like, I want you now to go home and forget about this baby. Forget that you are pregnant. I mean, people, how do you forget that you're pregnant when you have a morning sickness and cravings and you're hangry all the time? Easy said, then done. And, and then she said, do not name this baby. Do not find what gender this baby is. Do not buy anything for this baby at any cost. Those who were her real words. And then she said, just go home, hug your own kids and enjoy them. But forget about this baby. And I remember I walked out of this office and I was absolutely overwhelmed with a grief again, sadness, defeat. And I walked into my car I sat in my car and I began to cry. I couldn't hold my tears. And in that moment, I felt like I was reliving every single bad thing that happened in the past. And I couldn't hold it. But while I was in the car, I heard God speak to me, rejoice. Rejoice, celebrate this baby. Rejoice in the Lord always. I was reminded of that scripture. And again, I will say, rejoice. Did you know that Paul, he wrote that scripture while he was in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, while he was in this trial, in this challenge, he actually wrote the scripture, rejoice. And again, I will say, rejoice. I mean, this is a supernatural joy. And I remember in that moment, I was overwhelmed with joy. And I said, I'm going to celebrate this baby. Immediately I went and I bought my little girl Aria's first outfit, who she got to wear when she was born. How good is Jesus? There is power in our waiting. When you wait expectantly, when you wait expectantly, somebody, not just wait with a disappointment, waiting for something to drop from heaven. But when you wait with an expectation, full of faith, things to begin to happen in your life, all of a sudden, you will see your breakthroughs come into reality. You will see miracles. You will see that opportunity come your way. That job that you, you've been believing for, that husband, that partner that you have been praying so many years for, all of a sudden, your expectation, your faith, your trust in Jesus will be rewarded. Come on, somebody. Can we get excited in the house? There is power in the waiting. And I'm going to ask the praise and worship to join me on stage here. Wait on the Lord patiently. Wait on the Lord expectantly. And the third and final thought this morning is wait on the Lord dependently. Wait on the Lord dependently. But those who wait on the Lord, come on somebody, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait on the Lord, not 
on your boss, not on your spouse, not on your doctor, not on the bank, not on your neighbors, not on your mom, not on your family, not on your friends, but those who wait on the Lord. Come on, somebody. Shall renew their strength. There is power when we wait on the Lord. There is power when we put our trust in the Lord. There is power when we wait dependently. You know, going back to the story of Noah. I love the story of Noah because the Bible says that when he instructed Noah to build that boat, when he told him how to build it, he said to him, this is how you are to build it. Make it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof to it, a window above it, make lower, middle and upper decks. I mean, that was a huge description. He told him exactly what to do, where to place it, how to do it. But one detail was missing. There was one detail missing. There was no steering wheel. Come on. There were no sails. There was no GPS, no navigation. There was no steering wheel. Why? Because the captain of the boat was Jesus. The captain of Noah's boat was Jesus. In fact, in verse 18, he said to Noah, you board the boat, you board it. You be the passenger, you be the traveler. He didn't say to him, you steer the boat, or you drive the boat, or you sail the boat. No, you and your family go and board the boat because I will take you places you've never been before. I will make you see things you have never seen before. I'm going to show you things you have never expected, you have never dreamed. And when you make a room for God to come and be the captain of your boat, all of a sudden, you won't have to worry where you're going. You won't have to need a navigation on direction because your captain will lead you in the right direction. Your captain will sail you. He will drive you. He will take you in the direction you need to go. The captain of your boat is Jesus. You know, and the other thing I love about the story is, you know, in verse 15, he said to Noah, make a roof for it, a roof. Leaving below the roof an opening, cubit, high all around it. When you make the roof, put the windows right there, in other words. You see, that boat didn't have a side windows. There were no side windows. I mean, I would have really hated it because I love ocean view. There were no windows. He said, your windows are up. What was God doing here? He was saying, I don't want you to get distracted. I don't want you to get distracted with what's happening around you. I don't want you to wish things away. I don't want you to see what's happening around you. But I want you to look heavenwards. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, 
That's why he had to send the bird to fly because he couldn't really see what was going on around. And I love that. God didn't build a wall, windows around him, but he didn't have that destruction. And some of you, you need to stop looking around. Come on, somebody, you need to stop comparing. You need to stop wishing other people's lives, other people's possessions, other people's dreams. The grass is always green on the other side, but the grass is green where you water it. Keep watering your grass. Keep looking heavenwards. Right now, God is saying to people, stop comparing, but start celebrating who I have designed you to be. Stop looking at other people's lives, but start celebrating your own life because I have made you on purpose, for a purpose. And I have big plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Isn't that worth the wait? Don't give up waiting. Don't give up dreaming. Don't give up praying. Don't give up trusting. Don't give up, you know, um, wishing things. But put your trust in the Lord. Because when you put your trust in the Lord, when you wait upon the Lord, it is worth the wait. Come on, somebody. It is worth the wait. If you believe it, why don't you stand up? We're going to pray in a second. It is worth the wait. And right now the Holy Spirit is moving. And I believe that God is saying, fix your eyes on me. Stop fixing your eyes on the problem. Stop fixing your eyes on the impossible situation that you're facing. Stop fixing your eyes on the disappointment. You are not a failure. You are not a loser. The Bible says that you are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. You are anointed. You are His chosen people. You are the bride of Christ. You are above and beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. There is more coming your way. It's worth waiting. It is worth waiting. Stop delaying. Stop procrastinating. And right now there are people here that I believe that God is reviving dreams. Right now God is reviving visions. Maybe you've dreamt for that perfect job that you've been wanting. And I believe that if you keep trusting, if you keep believing, and if you keep praying, a door will be open in your life. Maybe some of you, you have been dreaming for this child. And I want to encourage you today. You know what? Regardless of what doctors have said to you in medical reports, we have the supreme doctor who the Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. He's able to do it abundantly, exceedingly. And right now God is saying, enough, enough, enough disappointment, enough, enough. But he's saying, now it's time to believe. It is time to believe for more. Come on, somebody. It is time to believe for more. More is coming your way. More is coming your way. God is going to revive that dream. God is going to revive that hope that you once had. We want to pray for people. You know, we're going to sing a song in the moment, but if this was for you, I want to be bold and brave and come here. We're going to pray and believe that in that waiting season, God is going to supernaturally 
touch people's lives and then we will see miracles. We will see open doors. Maybe you had a, have a health condition that it is impossible in human ways. We are going to believe for healing today. He's our healer. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.